Hey guys, we're so excited to share this message with you on the Center Set podcast. My name is Ethan and I lead worship here at Center Set. We'd love for you to download our app so that you can keep up with all that is happening in our community. Text Center Set to 77977 to download. Good morning, Center Set. Who is excited for church today? For, for those of you that are new, my name is Ali. My wife and I, we started Center Set three years ago with this dream that we call our God dream. God gave us this vision to create a church not only where Christians could grow and passionately pursue God, but on church people could come and ask questions and explore God. So if you're new to Center Set, believe me, you're going to you feel challenged, encouraged, and inspired. And God has a word on my heart that I'm excited to share with you. We are in a collection of talks called Spiritual Gym. What are the habits? What are those things that we got to do daily as we follow Jesus? And I'm going to go to Matthew chapter 14, starting at verse 22. Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on the mountainside by himself to pray. Later that night, he was there alone. And Proverbs chapter 4 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. One translation says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it is the wellspring of life. I want to preach to you around this idea, the solitude habit. The solitude habit. I'm going to get this in your spirit because you need it. This is where Jesus had his power source from, the solitude habit. If you guys can bow your heads and close your eyes. God, thank you so much, Lord, that you, your word is alive and active and you use it, God, to speak to us. God, use your word to change us, to transform us. We don't want to just come in and learn something, God. We didn't just come to study you, God. We came to experience you. We came in, we came in one way. We want to leave another. We want to talk like you, love like you, live like you. And if you believe that, everybody said... Amen. Uh, anyone ever been to Muir Woods before? It's a, this park about an hour north of San Francisco. I'd never been. I'm Silicon Valley, born and raised on the playground is where I spent most of my days. And uh, I had relatives come from out of town. I'm like, we got to go to this, this forest. And I'm like, dude, this is my backyard. I've never been before. It's crazy that relatives will push you to visit places in California that you've lived next to your whole life. So we're at this park. It's this beautiful park with redwoods that are two, three hundred feet, not just tallest in America, tallest in the world. And as soon as you get there, you realize everyone in this park who works there is OCD about telling you, don't go off the path. Please, please. There's frames, there's signs, they're handing out papers. Please stay on the path. And part of the reason is, is the trees, the, the, these redwood trees that are 200 feet tall, their roots are different. See, the normal plant for every a normal tree, every foot it goes above the ground, it's got roots that go two feet underneath the ground. Mm. So if you have a 20-foot tree, the roots go down 40 feet. Wow. What do you expect to have with a tree that's 200, maybe 300 feet? You expect deep roots, wow. yeah. but they're super shallow. Mm. They're only six feet underneath the ground, maybe 10 on some cases. The roots of a redwood are extremely shallow. What's crazy is how does a, t- a tree that tall not fall over when it's got small roots right. where they go wide? For trees 50 feet apart, they interlock with one another. And so when the winds come, when the storms come, when, when they're getting pushed over, the trees that are around each other are literally supporting one What a picture of community. Yeah. But the real reason why the, the forest, doesn't, the, the rangers and the park doesn't want you walking around the trees is because the trees, the roots are fragile. Mm. You have these huge, massive, strong, sometimes 10, 20 foot like base trees but their roots are small and they're fragile. And if enough people walk above the ground around the tree, the, the, the roots break wow. 
and the trees fall over. If you Google this, in the very beginning when they opened the park, trees were falling over, dying. They didn't know why until they researched, oh my gosh, it's because people are walking on the roots the roots are dying. In the same way, your heart is the same way. Doesn't matter how strong you are, doesn't matter how much faith you have, doesn't matter how, how often you go to church, how much you read your Bible, how many times your parents prayed for you, if you don't guard your heart, you will fall. You gotta protect your heart. You gotta guard your heart. People are gonna trample on you. People are gonna gossip about you. People are gonna say negative things about you. In the same way that a redwood is big and it's strong, but its, it's roots are small right. and they're fragile. And if you're not careful, in the same way that a redwood tree that's big and strong would fall over, you're gonna fall over. And you gotta guard your heart because above all else, it is the wellspring of life. And Jesus recognized this, and this is why he had a solitude habit. There would be these moments in Jesus' ministry where he would be persecuted. He'd be attacked. He'd have a loved one die. In that verse we just read that it says that he immediately left the crowd. What had happened? His cousin John the Baptist had just died. What do you and I do when our loved one dies? Do we go and eat food? Do we go watch Netflix? Do we, do we maybe watch porn? Do we, do, we, do we call a friend? Jesus went to be alone with God. This is how he sustained his ministry. This is where his power and his strength came. Why? Because Jesus understood the principle. Guard your heart above all else, for it is the wellspring of life. It doesn't matter how big you are, how strong you are. If your heart is hurting, if your heart is broken, if your heart is polluted, it affects everything. Right. I'm going to say something. When Jesus says, when the scripture says, above all else, above reading the Bible, mm. above going to church, above spending time with your, your Christian friends, because if your heart is hurting, right. you won't be able to receive what they have for you. In the same way, it doesn't matter how thick and tall a tree is. If its roots are hurt and damaged, that tree will fall over. You, gotta, you need a solitude habit. And right. I love that the disciples, when, when they were around Jesus for approximately a year, in Matthew chapter 10, they, they go, Jesus, they, they've seen this guy preach home run sermons. At center side, I'm just trying to hit a base hit, even if it's a butt single. Just don't strike out, right? Jesus is hitting home runs. He's debating theologians and, and winning. He's, he's healing the sick. The lame are walking. The blind see. And they go to Jesus and they don't say, teach us how to preach. They don't say, Jesus, teach us how to debate. They don't say, teach us how to heal. They say, Jesus, we see that there's something different about you. That when you're tired, when you're lonely, when you're depressed, when you're sad, when you're down, because Hebrews chapter 4 says that he was tempted in every way that we were and yet did not sin. How did Jesus go through the pain of life but still have the strength to continue? Because he had a power source. And the disciples recognized, man, Jesus, when you get alone with God, when you do this habit, you have this solitude habit that it recharges you. It fills your tank. We, we want that power. We want that strength. And the disciples realized that above all else, you got to guard your heart for it is the wellspring of life. And Jesus had this habit. And I want to teach you around this idea, this solitude habit. Let me just tell you before I tell you what solitude is, let me tell you what it's not. It's not isolation. Isolation is when you get offended, someone hurts you, they offend you, and what you do is you withdraw. And you go away from community. You go away from God. Solitude is not withdrawing. It's being connected with God. There is a difference. Solitude is running from people. I'm sorry. Isolation is running from people. Solitude is running to God. Solitude, isolation is about getting everybody out. Solitude is about getting the right person in. Isolation is about running. Solitude is about stopping yeah. so that you can run again. Yeah. You need 
a solid, if a, a redwood tree that's 200 feet tall and strong and big and powerful can fall over simply by its roots being trampled. Listen, your heart is just as fragile and life will beat you down. COVID will squinch and squash your faith and you need to guard your heart and the solitude habit is where Jesus had his strength. His source of power was when he got alone. And it wasn't, he wasn't getting alone because he was annoyed and isolating himself. He got alone to recharge. Yeah. He got alone to refill his strength and his tank. And there are four things I want to tell you this morning about solitude. The first one is this. Solitude is choosing to pause. Hmm. Solitude is choosing to pause. There is power in your pause, but you have to choose it. Uh, Psalm 46 verse 10 says, Be still. And know that I am God. There is a knowing about Jesus that won't happen in a worship experience, that won't happen during a sermon, that won't happen at a conference, or we listen to a podcast. It only happens when you get alone with God. And the power of the pause, that you can do the power of the pause at any moment. You can do the power of the pause when you're driving your kids to school and you pause in the car. You can do the power of the pause when you're in the shower and you're, you're washing your hair and you just pause and connect with God. You can, have, you can be literally fighting with your spouse in the middle of a fight pause and reconnect with God. You can be in the middle of a, a business meeting, creating a business plan, and you can pause and connect with God. And this word in the scripture where you pause and connect with God is this word, Selah. Somebody say Selah. Selah is, this, is defined as to pause and to ponder. It's to reflect and to praise. And it shows up in the scriptures 70 times where the people of God, they would say something about the character of God. They would declare the character, the, the goodness, his faithfulness, and they would say, Selah, which was basically saying we need to pause and reflect on how good God is, how amazing he is. We can't just move on to the next thing. Let's reflect. Let's pause and think about this because it's so good. It's so amazing. And again and again in the scriptures, God wants us to Selah. It's not just something that's new. The Christians have been doing this for hundreds, if not thousands of years. You need a Selah habit. Yeah. One of my favorite Selah moments in the scriptures is when Nehemiah, we studied this book two months ago, uh, Rebuilding the Walls of Center Set. He had a burden, and he, he waited on it. Teamwork makes the dream work. We had these sermons that, that honestly were some of my favorite, but there was one thing that happened in the book of Nehemiah that I didn't cover. It's at the end of the, the, the 56 days, 52 days where he rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem that had been broken for 140 years. He pulls up Isaiah, or Ezra the priest, and says, Ezra, preach a sermon. And Ezra gets up and literally just reads the Bible for four hours. You are lucky I don't do that every Sunday morning. He just and the people of God, the Israelites who had, who had been in a broken state for centuries, for, for decade upon decade, for three generations, yeah. they're hearing the word of God preached again for the first time in Jerusalem. And the entire nation of Israel has a Selah moment and they all begin to reflect and they all begin to weep and they all begin to realize, oh my gosh, God has been good to us. He's been yeah. faithful to us. Even when we haven't been faithful to Him, right. you need a Selah moment. Yeah. You need these moments where you hear something in a sermon, where you hear something in a life group. You hear something, you, you connect with God during yeah. worship. Don't go on to the next thing. Right. Don't go out to lunch with your friends. Don't go on Instagram. Don't, 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 don't watch a movie. Yeah. Get alone with God. Get, get quiet with him let him speak that thing to you again because yeah. that's where God takes the small thing and he makes it a big thing yeah. that's where he takes the, the thing that he said in one moment and he puts it into your heart yeah. you gotta pause there's power in the pause anybody ever use the iPhone audible or the the audible messages instead of sending a text message you just press the button and record I have a love hate 
relationship with, with these things. I love sending them. I hate receiving them. Uh, the reason why I love sending them is because sometimes I'm being sarcastic and uh, it's hard to communicate tone and attitude via text messages. Sometimes like I'm texting my wife and I'll text, okay, okay, okay. And it's like, it's like robotic, okay, okay. And I'm doing the TikTok, okay, okay. And I'm trying to like make fun of my wife or say this something funny, but you can't do that in a visual text. But then there are people that are on staff at Center Set and once a week they send me a two minute voice message. I'm like, God rapture this person. Are you kidding me? And he sends me like 15 point messages with addresses and phone numbers. And I'm like, bro, are you kidding me? I literally have to listen to the audio message and every five seconds I have to pause. Why? Because there's something important. Mm. If we do that with audio messages with friends, how much more do we need that with God? There are times where God will speak to you. God will say something. God's spirit will touch you. And you don't need to move on to the next thing. You need a Selah moment. You need to... Put that thing in your heart. If you want to be committed to hearing the voice of God, there is power in the pause. You need a Selah habit. One of my favorite instances of this is in the the book of 1 Timothy. Paul, this church planner, starts this church in Ephesus. And he's there for 18 months and he leaves. He's this church planner. He starts a church, leaves, goes to the next city, starts another church, and then he hands it off. He hands the church of Ephesus to a man named Timothy. Paul is the, the mentor, the father figure to this dude named Timothy. Paul has been away for 10 years and now he's writing to his mentee, he's writing to this, this dude in the faith that he's a father of faith to and Timothy wants to quit because mm. Ephesus is now the largest church many theologians think in the world. Wow. 5,000 people. He's, this guy's never been to seminary. He, he has, he's not trained for this moment. He's, how do you shepherd 5,000 people right. with no 501c3 status? No, no, like, no, right. like, he has nothing. Right. He want, the guy wants to quit and Paul says to him, Fan into flame, mm. the gift of God. How do you take the small thing and you make it a big thing? Mm. How do you take a spark and you make it a flame? That's what the power of Selah is. Mm. Selah takes that thing that God spoke to you, that thing that, 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 thing that is about his character, right. about his goodness, and you don't just move on to the next thing. You pause and reflect. You pause and ponder, and God takes that small spark and he creates a massive flame in your heart. Too many people in our culture are running after life coaches, are reading leadership books, are going after mentors. You need the voice of heaven. Right. You need a Selah moment. And my wife and I, we've been married for eight years, and she had to learn the hard way that I need Selah moments, even when we're on vacation. And uh, I didn't even know this about myself, but we'd be on vacation with family and friends, and like two days into a week trip, I'd turn into Mr. Jekyll. Because we'd, we'd spend all day with family, like literally from 8 in the morning to 8 at night, every hour, every meal, every minute is accounted for. You're around people, you're around pe- friends, you're doing things. And by day three, I'm literally a demon. I'm no longer, I've lost my salvation. And my wife would tell me, I think you need to go spend time with Jesus. I'm like, I think you need to. And I'd, I would talk back to her. I'd say, me, and she's like, she recognized, she had the gift of discernment. She's like, Allie, there's something going on with your soul. You need to guard it above all else. You're getting tired. You're getting weary. It does not matter if you're a pastor. It does not matter how long you went to seminary. You need to guard your heart. But my issue was, we're on vacation, honey. I got FOMO. I have fear of missing out. You guys going to go eat a meal without me? You going to go visit this landmark? I need. I don't want to miss out. FOMO, I think, is one of the biggest reasons why Christians in Silicon Valley don't have Selah moments. 
you need to have a redefine what FOMO is because FOMO is when you look on social media and you see your friends at an amusement park, or you see them at, at a party or a barbecue and you're like, oh my gosh, I don't want to miss out on that opportunity. Right. Let me tell you what's bit more important than missing out with hanging out with your friends, yeah. missing out and hanging out with the creator of the universe. Yeah. You know what's more important than missing out with, in, with a collaborator? Missing out and collaborating with God. Yeah. You know what's bigger than missing out on a movie? Missing out on God telling his story through your life. Yeah. And so often we, we don't pause. Solitude is choosing to pause. It's saying there is power in the pause. It's saying, God, I need a Selah moment. You have this spark. You spoke this word to me. I read this thing in the scriptures. I heard this thing on a sermon. And I don't want to just move on to the next thing. I want to pause and put that into my heart. I need to guard my heart above all else. Yeah. For it is the wellspring of life. Jesus had Selah moments. How much more do you and I? Solitude, though, is not just about the pause. It's choosing to plan. That's good. You need to plan your Selah moments or you're planning not to have a Selah moment. Listen, I know something about people in Silicon Valley is if it's not in your calendar, it ain't happening. And in Jeremiah 29, says, God says, for I know the plans I have for you. Let me just pause for a moment and give you some theology. That verse is not a verse you want to put in some high schooler's graduation. Oh my God, God loves you. For I know the plans I have. No, no, no. Let me tell you the context of that verse. Israel has rebelled against God. They've walked away from the faith. And God's like, I love you guys. I'm never going to leave you or forsake you. But I'm going to let this country called Babylon come in and destroy you. You're going to live as slaves for 70 years. But I know the plans I have for you are still good even in slavery. So when you're writing for I know the plans I have for you to a high school, you're basically saying, I know you're going to be single till you're 40 years old. I know you're going to be unemployed, live with your mom until you're 40. But I know the... Why would you speak that over an 18-year-old? That's the context that God is speaking that over Israel. Why would you do that to a high schooler? But God's... What he's saying is, I have plans. And if we are made in the image of God, we need to have plans. We do this in our, our personal life. Why not in our faith? We plan coffee dates. We plan vacations. We plan, if you're type A like me, you plan your next day the, the night of. These are the 10 things I need to do in the, in the morning. Right. Do you plan your Selah moments with God? Yeah. Do you plan to pause and ponder? Because if it's not in your calendar, man, it, it ain't happening. Right. I know that my wife and I, our relationship changed. It didn't get worse. It just became different once we had kids. Yeah. Before I'd come home from work, we could spend hours just hanging out, going out to eat, doing whatever we want on Saturday mornings. Now we have two little creatures that are hungry every two hours. Dad, I am hungry. And we have to, I have a job, and then I go home, I got another job, it's them. Yeah. How do you connect with someone when you're constantly busy? Right. You have to pause. But it's not a deep, meaningful, like date pause. It's, it's hey honey, I love you. Mm. It's, hey, I'm cleaning the dishes, let me give you a hug. Hey, honey, can I get a kiss before I go change the girls' diapers? Hey, honey, can we just connect for a moment? And, and every relationship needs these moments where you're doing life shoulder to shoulder yeah. and you're pausing and you're connecting. But your relationship won't survive if it's only shoulder to shoulder. Right. Every relationship needs face to face. We have these long periods of connection yeah. that's uninterrupted. There's no distraction. And listen, your relationship with your spouse or your boyfriend is the same with God. You can't. Just have pauses with God. Or I just pray when I'm in church. Or I only pray when I'm in group. And then you have long periods where you don't talk alone. So often we pray in, 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 in church gatherings, but we don't pray alone. You, you, your, if your relationship with your spouse won't be effective, won't last if you only have pause moments, you need to date your spouse. You need to get alone and have Hours uninterrupted where you're face-to-face talking to one another. Right. How are you doing? How's your soul? What are you dreaming about? Right. 
Listen, if you don't date your spouse, someone else will. In the same way, you have to date God. You need to plan your Selah moments. I know it gets challenging. I know it gets difficult even after kids. I remember when my wife and I were married with no kids. She was a wedding photographer. She would leave on Saturdays. I'm like, God, Saturdays is not for the boys. It's for you. And I'm not going to go to the gym. I'm not going to go. I'm going to give this hour in the morning to you, God, and to you alone. No ESPN, no social media, just me and you, God. And I plan that moment. And when people say, "Ah, let's do something on Saturday morning, I'm like, I got a meeting with someone really important. I didn't tell them who it was because I put it in the calendar. Your soul, your faith, guard your heart above all else. Why? Because it's the wellspring of life. You can't just choose to have a sailor moment. You must plan it. People ask, well, what are you going to do with God for an hour, Pastor Ali? Don't, don't give him an hour like me. Give him five minutes. Mm. Give him whatever you can. Right. But in those moments, give it to him undistracted. Yes. And often we think, oh, God's going to yell at me. He's going to... God did not send his son to condemn the world, it says in John 3.17, but to save the world. Right. He didn't come to beat you down. He came to raise you up. Yeah. He wants to reaffirm his love for you his calling on your life, that he has a plan and purpose for you. It's, it reminds me of in COVID when I was with my kids. There was a blur between work and dad time. I'd be sitting down with a computer on my lap and I'd work for two or three hours and I'd play Legos for them for another hour. I'd go back and work and it was just back and forth. And there'd be these times where the TV's on and they're playing Legos and I'm working and I just wanted to take a pause. I just wanted to connect with my kids. And I go, Sophia! And dude, when the TV's on, she's like, glued like I could be dying bleeding out on the ground she won't even turn her head Sophia and I'm like Sophia and she's like what dad I love you I love that I'm your dad I don't want anything from you I just want to tell you that's what God wants to do in the Selah moment he wants to reaffirm his love for you he wants to reaffirm that small spark that he gave you he wants to turn it into a flame where did Jesus get his power from the Selah moments. And if you don't plan to have a Selah moment, you're missing out on the power and the source of strength for Christianity. Jesus pulled away, not because he was weak, not because he was isolating. He was pulling away to get recharged. Solitude is choosing to pause. Solitude is choosing to plan. And number three, it's choosing to press in. Let me try to make this as practical as I can. You, the moment you say, God, I want to, I want to, have a Selah moment with you, I'm telling you right now, the moment you press in, all hell is going to break loose. You have every distraction known to man. Like You're going to get a text message from Bay. You're going to get an email from work. And those are good distractions. And often when we're sitting down to spend time with God, the, our email goes bing, our, our text message from our friend. And it's often so easy. Like, let me just write back. Mm. Let me just say something real quick. Mm. I'm not saying don't write back. I'm saying give that time to God yeah. and then go give them yeah. that, that moment. Often though, we, we get alone with God, like, oh, fine, I can sit down. Let me just go on TikTok for five minutes, and half an hour later, we've missed our opportunity to connect with God. There are good distractions. There are bad distractions. Nothing compares to a God distraction. Right. You need these Selah moments. And in these moments where our flesh is distracted and we're so easily pulled away, I, I don't know how many times I've sat down, like, God, this moment's for you. And the moment I sit down, I remember all the 25 things that, that are super important. Like, oh, oh my God, I, I need to write this down so I don't forget. I don't do it anymore. Mm. I go, if it's important, I'll remember again. God, this moment's for you. I'm just going to press it. God, I'm pressing. In those moments where my flesh is weak, I'm telling you, you need to ask the Holy Spirit for strength. Holy Spirit, help me. 
Holy Spirit, encourage me. Holy Spirit, that spark that God spoke, help me press in. Yeah. Help me lean into the Selah moment so I can become a flame, yeah. so you can renew my heart. God, my, I want to guard my heart above all else, yeah. for it's the wellspring of life. And in those moments, you got to press in. And let me give you four things that I want you to do on how to practically press in. Number one, you got to listen. You must listen. If you're only talking to God in your silent moments, you're not having a quiet time with God. Because having a conversation with someone is two ways. There are times where you're talking and there are times where you're silent so that you can listen. I remember a year ago, many of you don't know this, but I had ear surgery. Uh, They literally had to take my ear off, go inside my ear, remove a tumor, and then put my ear back on. I looked like Dumbo for like a month. Thank God we had an online church because I'd preach this way so you couldn't see my big ear. But I remember like a month before leading to surgery, I'd get in this like five by five sound room and they would do these sound tests where they'd, they'd give me this like clicker and they'd put on these headphones and they'd play this beep and then the beep would get softer mm. and softer mm. and softer and it got so silent. I would literally <gasps> hold my breath so I wouldn't make a noise because I, I, I'm so competitive I wanted to win. I hear every <laughs> click. Listen, God won't speak over your Instagram. Come on. He won't speak over your Netflix. He won't even speak over your Spotify. He won't even speak over the podcast that you're listening to on the drive. You need to get silent. And you won't be able to hear the still, small voice until you get really quiet. You need to learn to, that's how you press in. You listen. Number two, you read. Read. God speaks in multiple ways to multiple different people. He speaks through dreams. He speaks through visions. He speaks through podcasts, through sermons, through people. The primary way that God speaks, though, is through Scripture. So if you're not reading, that means you're not hearing from God. And I hear this argument all the time. I I can't read. It's so hard. There was a guy in our church. He just couldn't read. He read so slowly. Smart guy. I said, bro, download an audio Bible. This guy had worked at UPS, so he put the headphones in, and he literally listened to the Bible for an hour. I'm like, what is God saying to you? After you heard him speak, just reflect and ponder on that. What is God saying? you got to get the Bible in your heart, though. you got to read it. Yeah. There are some of you, though, all you do is read a verse a day, or you read a, a devotional, you stop, and you just dibble. It's like you're eating dessert, like, oh, I just want a little bit of this. And You need to study. Some of you need to go deep and read deeply. Read a Bible. Read a commentary. Read a study Bible. Because you need to get the deep things of God into your soul. The more that you read, the more that you're going to hear the voice of God. Listen. Read. And number three, reflect. Reflect. you got to take inventory of what you're reading. I remember when I was 17 years old, I was a junior in high school. I worked at Blockbuster. Some of you were born in the 90s. You don't even know what Blockbuster is and I hate you. <laughs> Blockbuster was this demonic place where you'd get on your, on your dinosaur and you'd go over to this place and you'd rent a VHS and you'd get on your dinosaur and go home and you'd put it into your TV and play the video and then you had to rewind it and then get back on your dinosaur and go back and return it. It was archaic. All you kids pressing a button on your phone to stream a movie in two seconds. You have no idea the pain and the suffering that we had to go through. I imagine I worked at this place. And once a month, we would do what's called inventory. We had to count every soda, every bag of chips, every piece of candy, every video in the entire store. It took like 10 hours, 10 employees easily from midnight to 8 a.m. doing inventory. The power of reflection is God does inventory on your heart. Mm. 
He goes, why is that in your life? Right. You don't need that anymore. And often we say, God, but this is a good thing, but it's not the God thing that I have for you. Right. I remember I was 25 years old. I was reading, I was listening, I was reading, and God so clearly put on my heart, Ali, I want you to sell your TV. Yeah. I'm like, get behind me, Satan. What do you mean sell my TV? I'm 25. Mm. Who doesn't love TV? And I sold it because I felt this prompting of God saying, I don't want this in your life. Yeah. It wasn't that it was a sinful thing, but it wasn't the God thing. And at the time, I didn't realize from the age of 25 to 35, I didn't own a TV. And the reason why was God was having me study. He was having me prepare so that I could one day become a pastor. There are times in your life when you have a Selah moment where God will say, I need you to remove this person from your life. I need you to add this to your life. It won't happen unless you reflect. In the same way that businesses do inventory, the Holy Spirit wants to do inventory on your life as well. Listen, read, reflect, and finally record. Write down what God is speaking. I can't tell you how many Christians come to our church and they get filled with the Spirit. They hear God. They're like, God told me to do this. And the moment they walk out the doors, culture and their friends tell them to do something else. And they forgot what God spoke. And so many times I've written down what God told me to do. And when I forget and when I don't want to obey, I look at the words of, oh. I can't tell you, I was looking back at this last week at, uh, the prayers I had written mm. prior to starting Center Set. And I had this list of very specific 10 things that I'm, I don't even want to share. They're so intimate. Mm. And at the time when I started Center Set, only two of the 10 were answered. Mm. I look back three years later, eight of the 10. That's crazy. I would not have celebrated the goodness of God mm. unless I wrote down what I heard in my Selah wow. moment. Some of you, you need to listen. Some of you need to read. Some of you need to reflect. Some of you need to record. You need a Selah moment. Solitude is not just pausing. It's not just planning. It's not just choosing to press in. It's also this. Solitude prepares you. It prepares you. See, it's not just me refreshing and getting replenished. It's also giving me direction. See, solitude has two benefits. It fills my cup up, it prepares my heart, it fills my heart up, but also prepares my heart. It gives me vision, it gives me direction. Jesus did not pull away from the crowds because he was annoyed, because he was afraid. He wasn't isolating, he was doing solitude. He was, how does, in Hebrews chapter 12 it says, God, for the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross. Jesus did not have joy on the cross. Why was he having joy? Because he was having a Selah moment. It was preparing him for the suffering. It was preparing him for his mission. Every time Jesus prayed and got away, he was even stronger in his mission. He was even stronger in his calling. That's why in Luke chapter 18, he says, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. Where did Jesus get that unction? Where did Jesus get that power and that mission? It was from his Selah moment. You need a Selah moment. Because when you have a Selah moment, you won't quit on your spouse. When you have a Selah moment, you won't quit on your church. You won't quit on your faith. You won't quit on your God. You need these Selah moments because it prepares you for suffering. It prepares you for the difficult road. It prepares you for the journey. No one wants to suffer. But when you have the Selah moment, it prepares your heart. Where do you get direction but, but solitude? Where do you get strength but solitude? Where do you get this flame for God? It's in solitude. It takes the pause 
to have unction for God. It takes a pause for you to get filled with His Spirit. It takes a pause for you to realize that Jesus is our joy. It takes a pause to realize that people are our priority. It takes a pause to realize that faith is our focus. You need to guard your heart above all else. For it is the wellspring of life. Jesus knew where his power came from. Jesus knew where his mission and his unction and his drive came from. It came from guarding his heart. It didn't matter that he was a prophet or that he was the son of God, that he was God in the flesh. Even as big as as he was, as strong as he was like a redwood, he guarded his heart. He protected it. And when people trampled on him, when people gossiped about him, on the cross when all of his disciples abandoned him, he still had the strength to say, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. How do you have the strength to love your spouse, to not give up on your kids, to not give up on God after this 57 weeks of COVID? You need a Selah moment. And Proverbs chapter four, verse 23 says, above all else, guard your heart, for everything you do flows from it. Jesus knew his source of strength. The question is, do you? Let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for this word that we need a Selah habit. That there are these moments, God, in our life where we got to choose to pause. We need to choose to say Selah. We need to plan it, God. We got to put it in our calendar. We need to not just have these quick moments where we pause and have shoulder to shoulder with you, but we need to have these face-to-face moments, God, where you take that spark and you turn it into a flame. God, speak to us. Give us practical tools to press in. And God, remind us that solitude prepares us for mission and our mission is people just like Jesus. And Jesus didn't quit his calling, didn't walk away from his destiny because he continued to have these Selah moments. God, when we're tired, when we're weary, when we feel like giving up, remind us to to not just isolate, but to pull away in solitude. And when we say Selah, you fill us up again. And everybody said, I want to pray for those for watching online. Maybe it's your first time at church and you're wondering, what is Christianity all about? Let me tell you that this God that we follow, this God who modeled for us what faith looks like and having a relationship with God, God left heaven as Jesus. Jesus is God, for those of you that are at home wondering. He's not a prophet. He's not a good teacher. He didn't just come to give us leadership principles. He came to give us his life. He didn't come to give us a Bible. He came to die for us on the cross. That's why in Luke 18, I said, he did not come to serve, but to serve and give his life as a ransom for many so that those who are called the sons and daughters of God can have intimacy, can have a relationship, can have a Selah moment with God. I want you to have a Selah moment with God, but it doesn't happen through your good works and your behavior. It comes through faith. That's the only way to build and connect it with God. It's not what you do, it's what Jesus did for you. That he came and lived a sinless life and died on a cross for you so that you and I can have intimacy with the Father. You and I can be called the sons and daughters of God so you and I can come to the presence of God and say, Selah, God, you're good. Thank you for loving me. If that's you this morning and you want to say Selah to God, you gotta believe in Jesus. If that's you, it simply begins by starting a relationship, placing your faith in Jesus. If that's you this morning, would you just bow your heads and close your eyes? Thank you, Jesus, for leaving heaven fully God and yet at the same time fully man.
You lived this perfect and sinless life. And you didn't come to give us a book. You didn't come to give us a religion. You came to die on a cross for our sin. You came to die so that the sons of God can be adopted back as the children of God. That we could come home and have intimacy with the Father. That no matter who we are, no matter what we've done, that we can be forgiven and we can say, Selah, in the presence of our Father, who doesn't want to condemn us, who just wants to love us. That's you this morning. And you feel this unction on your heart, you feel this tugging on your heart, this spark. God wants to turn it into a flame and begins by placing your faith in Jesus. If that was you this morning, we would love, I'm telling you, we would love to celebrate with you. We have these resources called Following Jesus and this Bible that we would love to give you on this faith journey. If you want these free resources, text the word CSJesus to 97000 or click this link, centerset.ch slash connect. Say you received Christ today. I'm telling you, we want nothing from you. We want to pray for you. Before I let you go, let me quickly pray for our offering. And uh, this last month, I- I'm so excited to say that we are getting closer and closer to figuring out if we have a new home. There are three locations that we're looking at as a church. Two of the three have already said yes. One of them, though, is a permanent location. It's St. Mark's Church. We did church there two years ago. That church, unfortunately, has died and it's closed its doors. And they're praying right now where they should sell the building and build 20 condos or they should give it to a church called Center Set. So I'm asking for our church to pray as a body in faith. Please, God, give us this building. Which is why right now we're asking all of those who call Centerset home. 80 of you every month give to Centerset. We're so grateful for your generosity. But 20 of you give through reoccurring giving. We're praying every week this month that some of you would go from occasionally giving to reoccurring giving. Why? It does two things for us. It helps us intelligently plan for the future and helps us step into kingdom opportunities. And we believe St. Mark's Church is a kingdom opportunity for Center Center. So let's pray. God, thank you so much, Lord, for your, the, the love that you've given us, the blessing that you've given us, that you died on a cross for us so that we can come into your presence and say, Selah, you're good. We love you. Thank you for loving us. God, I pray for those that call this place home, that want to take their next step on this journey of faith with you. It's through reoccurring giving. Would you speak to them, God? They're never giving to Center Set. They're giving to you, Jesus, through Center Set. If you believe it, everybody said, Amen. be blessed, church. Thanks so much for listening. We hope this message impacted you and inspires you to draw closer to Jesus. Subscribe to this podcast and give us a follow on Instagram at Centerset Church to keep up with all that God is doing in our community. Also, we'd love to be in prayer with you. If you have any prayer requests, please send them to info at centerset.church.